Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Hello, everyone. I hope that if you're listening to this in the morning, it's just a killer morning and you woke up so excited about the Switch Leader Podcast and taken on your day. If it's evening for you, how dare you wait that long to listen to this? Because, I mean, surely it's all you've been thinking about. But mm, seriously, we're, we're really glad that you're with us today. I have two of our Switch content creators. I've got James Meehan and Caitlin Caffrey hanging out with me. And we're going to be talking about episode seven of our Switch Leader Essential series. The title this week is Knowing Your Audience. And so this is really, really important in kind of all fields of communication when, when we think about like communicating from stage or communicating in maybe a group, but we don't, sometimes we don't think about how important it is that you know your audience, even in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, any form of mm. influence, you need to recognize the audience of who you're trying to influence. And so I'm excited that today we're going to get to have a conversation about this. James, I'm going to let you take the lead and then you guys will get to hear Caitlin and I kind of share a little bit of our thoughts along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about knowing your audience in this week of the Switch Leader Essentials, which is a series of podcast episodes where we are covering the 10 lessons that we believe every single Switch Leader needs to know in order to effectively lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. The big idea for this week when it comes to knowing your audience is this, that if you want to lead students somewhere they've never been, start by meeting them where they are. Like, for example, if you're trying to take somebody to your favorite restaurant and for whatever reason, it's in the olden days before Apple and Google Maps. If, if you're going to take them to this new place they've never been, it's helpful to actually meet them somewhere they're already familiar with. You, you meet them where they are so you can lead them to where they want to be. And in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23, we read this, that be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. As a switch leader, you are a part of shepherding the students that show up to switch every single week. You are mm -hmm. a part of helping them grow in their faith journey, leading them closer to the one who is the good shepherd, Jesus himself. And so what we're going to do is talk about some big picture ideas that are true of this generation. And then we're going to talk about how to take some of that knowledge and apply it to the individuals that you're invested in. Because while it's helpful to know some of the big generational trends, it's also important to remember that each student is a student <laughs> and every student is a unique individual made in the image of God. And so yeah. we want to know the big cultural trends and we need to be willing to get in the messiness of knowing each of these individuals for who they are. So yeah. we're going to start by talking about three things that are helpful to know about this generation as a whole. And we're going to talk about kind of three primary buckets. The first one is things that are true spiritually, things that are true culturally, and then things that are true technologically spiritually, culturally, and technologically. To start off, when it comes to the spiritual state of teenagers in our world today, it's just important to set the stage that the idea of the United States of America being a Christian culture just doesn't exist. We are now living in a post-Christian era. Now, what that doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that people are unfamiliar with the person of Jesus or the things of God altogether. It means that there's a level of familiarity, but those things are seen as irrelevant or outdated 
and that we've arrived at a place in society where we have moved past our need for those things. That's the way, generally speaking, most people in the United States feel about Christianity that are not already Christians. And every year when you look at the surveys and the results, whether as adults or teenagers, you see that the number of confessing and practicing Christians is continuing to decrease. And the truth is, it's because for a lot of years, there was a cultural pressure to be Christian. Like that was just the norm for a long time. And for teenagers, that's just not the case. Now, it's important to acknowledge that even though atheism amongst the next generation is rising rapidly, the majority of teenagers still hold to some level of spirituality. Like they still believe in some higher power, but they tend to be pretty open and not very defined in how they express their spirituality. And so, Caitlin, can you talk to us a little bit more about when it comes to the types of students and where they are spiritually that are showing up to switch week in and week out, what's going on in their lives and how we as leaders can meet them where they are so that we can lead them to some place that they maybe haven't been yet? Yeah, a survey that I really love that has been really helpful to me in understanding the audience that we get to speak to every single week at Switch is the Global Youth Culture Report. And it comes out every single year. And they did a really good job of kind of uh, grabbing hold of three types of students and where they are at spiritually. So I'm just going to go ahead and preview what those are and what they've identified and let you guys know what those big topics are. So the first one is called the apathetic nun. These are students who really don't have any type of religious affiliation. They don't believe in God and they don't care what we believe about God right now in this stage. <laughs> as long as they're as they feel like beliefs aren't being forced on them, they're they're fine with us believing whatever we want to believe. So that is the apathetic nun. For them, they can often feel like religion is boring and controlling. They can feel like that Christianity contradicts certain values that they hold about their identity. And they can also, also often have like a universalistic approach, basically believing that all religions have the same basic premise and moral values. And there's not really any relationships that they have with Christians that are particularly compelling to them. So that is the apathetic nun. And that's kind of the stage that is furthest away from what we would say is a fully devoted follower of Christ. These are students that we are going to be trying to speak to and connect with on a relational level every single time we're at Switch. That's the apathetic nun. The second one, which James, you talked about, is where most people are here in America is somewhere in the level of familiar nominal. That's what you're talking about. If most people have a general idea of what Christianity is and some of those basic premises, but they don't practice their beliefs or their faith in a way that really influences or affects the way that they live their lives. When it comes to what they think being a Christian means that they would probably chalk it up to church attendance every once in a while. <laughs> These are your Easter and Christmas people. They believe that in basic morality, they believe that the Bible is probably a good guideline for that. 
but that we don't really need it. They would say that tolerance to other people is really way more important than holding on to a specific set of beliefs. So familiar nominal is kind of that sweet spot that most of our students would fall into at Switch. And then we have the all-in committed Christian. These are students who have probably have parents who follow Jesus and they have grown up believing and learning how to walk out their faith. And they find a strong sense of belonging and identity in the community that they have at church. So these are people who are starting to get it. They are practicing what they believe. They're probably reading and engaging with their Bibles and being active in the church. They are learning how to apply biblical truth to everyday life. And they are going to be people who believe and hold on to some sense of absolute truth in a world that is really morally relativistic. So that would be the all-in committed Christian. And again, at Switch, we are trying to reach every single one of those students every night that we get to meet by connecting with them right where they are. Yeah. And so when it comes to understanding this generation, one of the things that's helpful to know is that spiritually speaking, the majority of the students that we encounter on a Wednesday night would fall into one of those three buckets. The apathetic nuns who don't really believe anything defined and they don't really care much about faith or religion at all. The familiar nominals. These are the people that are showing up on a weekly basis that you probably know their name, but they're Christian in name only because they've never actually done the work of making their faith their own. And then that third bucket are the committed Christians. These are students who have experienced the grace of Jesus personally, that they are passionate about becoming more like him for the sake of others. And they are showing up week in and week out, hoping to grow closer to Jesus and figure out how they can make a difference in the world. That's what we're dealing with spiritually when it comes to the students who are showing up at Switch. Now I want to talk about what's happening in the culture, because the truth is, if you're not a teenager, you're probably not as aware of teen culture as you were when you were a teenager. And teen culture is not the same today that it was a decade ago when I was an 18-year-old senior in high school. Like things have changed. And so two big things that we want to talk about, and I'm going to let Josh speak into those, are thing number one, the idea of YOLO has not gone away. Like that that still is exists. That's consistent. It's the idea that you only live once, so you better live for today. The second one I want to talk about is FOSO. Not FOMO, but FOSO. The fear of standing out. Because for so many teenagers, there's this fear that if they go all in for Jesus, then they will stand out until eventually they get left out. And so Josh, talk to us, for you as a youth pastor who's been in the game for a while, how do you navigate these cultural trends of students who are just living for the moment, chasing after temporary pleasures, and students who are being called by God to live in a way that's strange, that's different, that stands out, but are afraid that that's going to cause them to be left out? You know, when when the concept around YOLO first started kind of becoming more and more mainstream, I and when it was kind of first brought to my attention years ago, I sort of thought of it as this, okay, students are in this place, teenagers are in this place where they're going, hey, you only live once, so go ahead and do what you want to do. It'll be worth the price that you pay down the road, right? And so that was kind of like what was in my head. As the years have progressed, 
I think there's been a little bit of me becoming more aware of what it actually is. Plus, it has sort of shifted a little bit. And so now it's not so much that, hey, you only live once, so do what you want. It'll be worth the outcome. It's actually shifted into this. You only live once. Do whatever you want. Have some fun. There won't be a price to pay in the end. So really, we've started to see culture live with this idea that there's not really a price that you pay for the decisions that you make in this season of your life. Like you, you won't actually pay for it in the next season of your life. Mm. And so a little bit of just complete lack of awareness and how life works. And that's, yes, we recognize that's just immaturity and that comes with being a teenager. We were all there. And even if you don't want to admit it, we all lived with a little bit of the YOLO lifestyle. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to do it. And then you got grounded down the road and you're like, totally worth it. Right. So there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of, a little bit of that. I just, what we've seen though, is this generation take it a, a step further and mm. actually begin to live with the belief that, that either I don't deserve for there to be a price to pay for mm. this decision because, Hey, it's my life and I'll live it. Or I just actually don't think there will be like a complete lack of awareness. So then you move to this, this other concept of FOSO, fear of standing out. And James prefaced and talked about FOMO being the fear of missing out and how there is a difference. I think that a lot of people look at this generation and they see that there is such a stark contrast to generations prior. So some examples of this could be, well, what we're talking about in spirituality and acknowledging that, hey, we're living in a post-Christian society right now. You know, 52% of Christian teens disagree that marriage is a union between one man and one woman for life. That's a big shift. You're hearing so much about gender identity and students that are going, hey, I actually believe that I am something that is very different than what my biological gender is. Like, I don't believe that I'm a boy or I don't believe that I'm a girl. So we can look at that and go, yeah, they don't fear standing out. They're clearly doing things to make sure they stand out. And so upon initial glance, that's what it looks and feels like. But what we know is that those types of conversations are actually really popular among this generation. We used to talk to students saying, hey, you should consider, like, if you're going through something really hard, consider seeing a counselor. That can be a really healthy thing. And while we know that it still can be a really healthy thing, just another example of a little bit of a shift that we've seen is that students are wanting to go see counselors, not necessarily because they always just like really need one, but sometimes just because their friends are seeing counselors. It has become cool to see a counselor. So I'm not saying that it means it's bad that they're seeing a counselor because I 100% believe in them. I have one myself, but a lot of the reasoning that we're seeing it happen in this generation is less because they actually are needing to process it with someone and starting to happen even more so because their friends are processing it more with someone. And so this feeds into that cultural belief of, I do have a fear of standing out. The things that I'm doing that seem like they would stand out to the generation prior to me are actually things that fit in and blend in with my generation. We're seeing some really significant cultural shifts, but the majority of them are not out of uniqueness. They're actually happening out of following the trend. Yep. I think that's important for us to recognize is that as the trends change, 
what going along with the crowd looks like is going to be different. The, the crowd for our teenagers are not us, <laughs> right? Like we're not the crowd that they're going along with. It's, it's the other people they go to school with. It's the voices that they're hearing from on TikTok and YouTube and throughout social media. And so when it comes to our students, for many of them, they're being driven by this desire to pursue pleasure today because that's really all there is. And they're being driven by this fear of if I don't go along with everybody else, then I'm going to stand out and eventually I'm going to get left out. Thankfully, we all know that the good news of Jesus is so much better than that. Come on. That, that we don't just live for today, but we actually live eternally with him. That we don't have to be afraid of standing out because we're actually called to stand out, to be holy, to be set apart. And when we do, we find our belonging into the family of God, which is a family that's made up of a lot of people who look very different. <laughs> and it's really, really beautiful and special. The third thing that we want to talk about is the technological trends that are true of this generation. So we all know that for young people today, they have grown up in the era of the iPhone, meaning that for many of our students, like from the time they were a toddler, they had access to cell phones and iPads and TVs and computer games and video games. Like for me, as a somebody who was born in the year 1994, I was a little bit behind my friends when I got a cell phone in seventh grade. Now, if you get a cell phone in seventh grade, you're like way, way behind. I was like a year behind. They would be way, way, way behind just because the world is different. And what we've got to acknowledge is that because these young people are growing up with so much access to technology, they truly are digital natives. And one of the things that we do talk about, we are aware of, and we've got to continue to be diligent about is that having the access to the entire internet in your pocket can be really good and it can be really dangerous. You know, I once had a conversation with a pastor who referred to iPhones as porn in your pocket because of the access that's there. And think about how us as adult leaders who have undergone some degree of like human development to the point where our brains are much more fully formed than teenagers are. But we've got these teenagers that have access to these things that are so powerful and dangerous without the wisdom and self-control to know how to navigate it. There are studies that talk about how upwards of 70% of dudes look at porn at least once a month and about 55% or more of ladies do. And so it is more normal than not to regularly watch porn. And I'm just going to pause here because you listening to this podcast as a switch leader might be in that percentage of people who are looking at porn at least once a month. And I just want to say one of the most important things that you can do as a leader is you go first. Model confession and repentance. What is confession? Well, it's something where we agree with God about our sin and we bring that sin out of the dark and into the light. And then repentance is changing the way we live in the light mm -hmm. of God's love. And we've got some great resources that are available. So talk to your youth pastor if that's something you're struggling with. They're not going to shame you. They're going to welcome you. They're going to pastor you and they're going to walk with you because that's exactly what we would hope you would do for your students because this is a very real thing. Now, it talks about porn specifically, but if we just zoom out to think about all forms of media, YouTube, social media, like the access students have to ideas that are available every moment of every day is ridiculous.
And the amount of those ideas that are not very well curated or developed or filtered to make sure that they're actually good ideas, because the goal of these different media organizations is not to make sure that young people develop into great human beings. It's that they get people's attention so they can maximize ad money. <laughs> and so our young people are being bombarded with bad ideas that are going to get their attention and keep them watching. And what we know is that the content we consume shapes the people we become. And so this technological access is actually a significant challenge for our students. And at the same time, it's an amazing opportunity because they're digital natives. They have more familiarity with the stuff than most of us ever will. And we get to be a part of a church that is doing everything we can to leverage technology in a way that's going to advance the gospel. And so while it's really challenging, it's also an amazing opportunity. So what we don't want to do is just talk about the trends that are true of this generation and pretend like it's all bad news because the gospel of Jesus Christ was good news when Israel was oppressed by Rome. And it is good news now that this generation is oppressed by a whole bunch of really bad mm. ideas. And so we shared with you some of the big trends that are happening spiritually, culturally, and technologically with young people. Now what we want to do is actually shift from generalities about this generation to equipping you with some questions and some ways of thinking so that you can get to know your students better. Because while these are the cultural waters they're swimming in, they're still a unique individual. And for you to be in alignment with that scripture we read earlier, Proverbs 27, 23, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. That means getting to know specifically the students in your group, the students that you interact with, so that you can know how to best love and lead them in a way that brings them closer to Jesus. So first thing I would say is get to know where your students are spiritually. What do they believe and why do they believe it? Caitlin, for you as a high school small group leader, when you think about the cultural norms of young people mm -hmm. and the specific students in your group, how does that play together for you to best be able to lead the girls that you lead closer to Jesus? Yeah, I appreciate that question. And I've appreciated getting to watch this play out in my group. I think what's been neat recently is a lot of these things have surfaced because I have made the intentional effort to consistently create a culture where you can tell me anything that you're thinking about feeling, processing, whatever. And the way that that started was just really, really simply doing highs and lows every single week. Every single week, the first thing that we do when we get into group is I say, what was, what was the best part of this past week and what was the worst part of this past week? And it's so simple, but over time, I've gotten to watch the depth and the authenticity of the things that my students bring to the table go from zero to a hundred. <laughs> like in the past two weeks, I have had multiple, like I've had to stay over time for small group because we've just, we've just got people just laying it all out on the table. And that is a gift to get to steward. But I think it starts with, like you said, being a leader who's willing to go first because I often find that vulnerability invites vulnerability. And when we're talking about the <clears throat> spiritual realm of things, what you believe and why you believe it, 
I understand that that can be a scary, a scary platform to go first in. And what I'm not saying is that you show up to your group with like a manifesto of here's what here's what I believe and why I believe it. But in the way that you process with your group, in what you share with your group, is there a way that you can continually bring it back to center? Like when I'm sharing with my group about the worst part of my week, I try not to leave it at like, and yet it all just sucks. I, I try to move back to the center point of like, but here's what I've been praying through. Here's what I feel like God is showing me because I want to show my students that in everything I am working to walk in step with the Holy Spirit because I believe that that is what life is about, is being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And so that's that's part of what I do with my group, try to create that consistent culture. And in what I share, show my students how Jesus is involved in every aspect of my life. That's great. The more that you get to know your students, what they believe and why they believe it, the better you'll be able to determine how to approach each of them. Because the way that you love and lead a familiar nominal will probably not be the same as a committed Christian. And it definitely won't be the same as an apathetic nun. And some of your students are gonna be a little bit of all three of those things. And so the big ideas are helpful, but what's even more valuable is you getting to know your students personally. When it comes to the cultural things that are happening in the world, the fear of standing out, the desire to live only for this moment. One of the things that has been really helpful for me with my group is asking the questions, what motivates you? Like, why do you do what you do? Like, why did you say that? Why did you tell that story? Why did you make that joke? And from there, really trying to get at what does a successful life look like in your eyes? Because the truth is, is that for many of these students, the way that they are defining success, specifically the guys in my group, is not based on loving God and loving others. It's really based on fitting in and making a lot of money. And that's where they are. And I can beat them down and shame them for having a different view of success than what Jesus has, or I can meet them where they are so that I can help them little by little see that there's more to life than fitting in and making money. But what about you? What motivates your students? What does a successful life look like for them? Finally, Josh, can you speak to us about how we can get to know where our students are in the technological space? Like, how do we figure out in what ways is technology working for them or against them? Yeah, I think that I think this area is pretty simple. And I think most of you already have some context and some of an idea of how it's working for them and against them because it's the same ways it's working for you and against you. It's good. Right. Like if I if I think about the ways it's working for me, well, it, it's more convenient. I'm able to be connected to people better. I'm able to do my job a little bit easier. But on the flip side, I can say, hey, it also makes it more challenging because work can always be with you or because you it's could could be hard to disconnect and unplug when you get home with your family and you need to do that. And so there's so many different ways that we can see both. And I think that those same things apply to students. We could look and say, it's so great that you can connect with your friends, that you can connect with your parents. They can know where you are. You can communicate with them. But we mentioned something like pornography and cyberbullying and being so connected to what's happening around you that any mistake that you make can sometimes feel like it's a public mistake. 
And so, you know, not wanting to stand out, it's hard not to stand out in a society that's as connected technologically as we are. And then the question is, man, why don't they want to stand out? Well, who would want to stand out in a culture as riddled with cancel culture as this one is? Who would want to stand out when they've seen so many people make one mistake and to a degree, everyone around them said, this person's done. They have no Mm. value left to add. Who would want to stand out in that? And when you're as connected as this generation is, it's really, really, really hard to not stand out. And you probably find yourself spending a good portion of your day thinking, I'm going to post something, but I need a process. Is what I'm going to post going to ruin my life? And (laughs) you and I never had to live with that. And so there's definitely some good things. The Bible is also in their pocket. We've got the Bible on their phone, but yes, it would mean that porn is also in their pocket because anything that we're using for good, we know the enemy is trying to use for evil. And so there are both sides of that coin. We have an opportunity as switch leaders, as people that love Jesus and people that want to see the next generation continue to do better. We have an opportunity to teach them how to use it well and use it to benefit the mission of Christ. Come on. If you want to lead students somewhere they've never been, start by meeting them where they are. Learn the cultural trends that are shaping the world they're growing up in. But even more than that, get to know your students as individuals. A really great resource that I know we all use and we recommend often is the Culture Translator from Axis. Mm -hmm. You can literally just Google Culture Translator and it will send you an email that takes five minutes to read every single Friday with some of the big things happening in culture and how you can talk about them wisely with young people. Because we're here to lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We start by meeting them where they are And every step of the way, we bring them closer and closer to Jesus. Hey, thank you guys, as always, for joining us. I want to challenge you this week. This episode is full of stuff that you may not necessarily always think about in your day-to-day life, but it's stuff that we kind of living in this that we think about often. And so hopefully there was some information here that, that was valuable and helps you feel more equipped to lead your students. So my challenge to you is to send this link to one other switch leader. I want you to share it with one person that you feel confident maybe wasn't already planning to listen to it and just share with them that it was valuable to you and you thought, hey, maybe it will be valuable to them. We've got a great episode coming next week with episode number eight of the Switch Leader Essentials. And we're excited to get to share that with you as well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.